Hello, listeners. Yamina here. Welcome to the Dr. GVCR podcast. As we return to our regular programming after a fantastic four series episodes honoring Dr. Marcaron, we would like to take a moment and thank our Dr. GPCR ecosystem partners for their support. We'd like to thank Domain Therapeutics, GPCR Therapeutics, Design Pharmaceuticals, Montana Molecular, and Orion Biotechnology. We have a few announcements to make. We want to let you know that we are revamping the Dr. GPCR Summit, which we ran from 2020 to 2022, and are launching the Dr. GPCR Symposia events. This series, with this series, we aim to bring you, our ecosystem site members, regular and topic-specific virtual free live events. The first symposium of the series will be held on Friday, March 24th, starting at 8 a.m. EST. We will host a full day of talks on Zoom and a two-hour poster-slash-networking session on Wonder. The topic of this recent of this event is recent advances in understanding challenging GPCRs. Our confirmed speakers include Graham Milligan, Ines Liebscher, Ben Myers, Antonella DiPizio, Lucas Graz, Jake Mahoney, Brendan Wilkins, and Anthony Bacard. All trainees are welcome to come and present a poster. There won't be any poster selection. Everyone is welcome. For more information and an updated schedule, you can visit the ecosystem. The easiest way to get to it is to use the links in the footer and look for Dr. GPCR Symposia. You will be able to join us by making marking your calendar and becoming a Dr. GPCR Ecosystem Free Site member. After the event, and if speakers give us permission to record, you will also be able to watch these videos with your premium membership indefinitely. To navigate the ecosystem and find more information about our new events and everything that we do at Dr. GPCR, please use the direct links in the footer to navigate the website. And now, let's dive into this episode. Hello, everyone. This is Yamina from Dr. GPCR. And this morning, it's 6 a.m., and I'm excited to have with us our, uh, our guest today, Dr. Raul Gaidnetdinov. And uh, he is currently located at the other end of the world, where it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Hi, Raul. So nice to see you and to meet you. Uh, nice to see you. Yeah, I'm very happy to talk to you today. I'm very excited to have you on as well to give our uh, audience a little bit of contest, context. Uh, you... Um, spent you worked with Dr. Mark Caron and today we're here to talk about you your work and uh, how Mark's work and Mark's I want to say orbit uh, influenced influenced you and your career so why don't we start with a series of introductions and if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and where you are today yeah, uh, I, I'm graduated from Second Moscow Medical uh, University in Moscow, and then went to Institute of Pharmacology and started to work with Professor Kirill Sergeyevich Raevsky, by the way, a very good friend of Mark, uh, who was working on dopamine, dopamine receptors, okay? That's why I'm not GPCR person per se, I'm dopamine person, and uh, uh, I was working on PhD thesis on dopamine role of dopamine auto receptors in effect of antipsychotic drugs. 
and I was using neurochemical techniques uh, such as uh, microdialysis and a neuro measurement of dopamine. And I was working in Moscow and uh, got my PhD uh, there on antipsychotic topic. And as you all know, all clinically effective antipsychotics are blockers of the two subtype of dopamine receptor. And then Kirill Sergeyevich Trajewski, my uh, former mentor, introduced me to Mark Caron. That's how it started. It was 1992. Wow. Um, but before before we, we talk about what happened once you got introduced to, to Mark, how did you end up in science? Uh, you know, actually... Uh, um, I'm graduated from department, it's called Medical Biological Department of Medical School, so I'm a biochemist, doctor, medical doctor, biochemist, without right to cure patients. So uh -huh. I'm scientific, the medical doctor. Uh, so this is very, very special department in our in Moscow State University, and uh, uh, we were prepared to do science, medical science. And uh, actually, I, I didn't know where to go when I was uh, graduating in sixth year of medical school. Uh, just my friends and me, oh, there is one institute where they're working on dopamine. I said, what is dopamine? I didn't know anything. I knew a little bit, but not much. And I ended up being in this lab and uh, started to work. And it was so exciting. So I got involved and, and, and I cannot stop anymore. <laughs> now I'm continuing this dopamine all my life and uh, it's my major topic of interest and I end up being with Mark as the greatest researcher in dopamine field. Yeah. I think we all need we all need a little boost of dopamine all the time anyway. So I think it's a great, but, great... You know, probably not many people realize that Mark's uh, greatest achievements in fact not in GPCRs, it's in dopamine. No, yeah. people know a lot about his uh, contribution to GPCR field, but contribution to dopamine is amazing. You know, he was he is a Mr. Dopamine. He was Mr. Dopamine for wow. many years. Yeah, that's He's fantastic. Uh, you know, I uh, being a classical pharmacologist, of course, I didn't know much about molecular biology or anything. You know, we did normal pharmacology studies, but I end up being um, introduced to Arvid Carlson. Arvid Carlson described dopamine in the brain. So he was Mr. Dopamine before Mark Carroll. Wow. So, and I, before coming to United States in 1996, I already met uh, uh, Professor Arvid Carroll. I was uh, Carlson, Arvid Carlson. I was already friend with him. And then actually he wrote my recommendation letter to Mark about me. When I got the lab, so I'm 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 I, I came to Mark's lab not because of GPCRs. I came because of dopamine because mm -hmm. I believe that this is a dopamine mecca. It's the best place to study dopamine, and that's what I was thinking in 1996 when I joined Mark's lab. That's what I was thinking in 2007 when I left Mark's lab. That's what I'm thinking now. It was the best place for last 20 something years to investigate dopamine. And Mark Caron is Mr. Dopamine for me, forever. That, that's, that's fascinating. Um, before, again, before we go back, I'm really curious to, to hear more about, you know, your scientific interest or your interest in science in general, as for example, a child or as a teenager, 
was there something in, in you when you were growing up that, you know, got you interested in science, which landed you in, in, in that very special uh, medical, medical program and then into the dopamine field? Oh, you know, uh, I should say this is a very strange thing. When I was 14, 15, I actually, I, I grew up in medical family. My mother is a doctor, my father, all my uncles, all my aunts, uh, you know, my brother is a doctor. Everybody is a doctor. So, and I was thinking what I'm going to do. There was no question, of course, I, I was a, should be doctor. There is no question that I should be a medical doctor. But I all the time was thinking that, I want to be medical doctor, but not in clinic. I want to be investigator, okay? Yeah. And that's end up uh, who, who I am now. You know, I'm director of the Institute of Translational Biomedicine. I'm not uh, seeing patients, you know, I'm inventing something for medicine. Uh, and it's amazing, like when you're 14 and you want to be investigator, medical, but investigator, not clinical doctor. And that's what I am now, uh, it happened. Enough. Strangely enough, I got enrolled in this very, very special medical school. Uh, strangely enough, I graduated and ended up being uh, involved in highest level science because of Mark, you know, it's top, top, top level in the world, you know, and uh, continuing it. It's strange, but it happened when I was 14. I, I think it's I think it's very rare that people at 14 or, you know, teenagers know ahead of time what they want to do. And it's such a blessing. But at the same time, it's not the majority of us. I didn't know what I wanted to do at 14. I think a lot of us, a lot of the audience did not know that. But I really applaud all of those, including you, who knew what they wanted to do, followed up on it, and they still love you know, they they don't regret the decision and they're still in the field that they chose for themselves. Yeah. So you mentioned getting sent having um your previous mentor send a letter to a letter of recommendation to Mark. And you you've you've heard about him, obviously you were in the dopamine field, but what was when what was it like when the, you first spoke to him? Okay, that was a very interesting story. Uh, in 1992. Uh, I received my PhD thesis, as I told you, about the role of presynaptic dopamine autoreceptors in effect of typical and atypical neuroleptics, uh, now they called antipsychotics. Uh, and uh, my former mentor, Kirill Sergeyevich Raevsky, uh, invited me to visit uh, dopamine 1992 meeting in Sardinia. Okay, and uh, I went there. And to see all these big guys in dopamine, and it was, you know, and uh, I came there. So, and Professor Jessa, Gianluigi Jessa, head of the Department of Pharmacology um, in Cagliari, he actually invited. It was 1992 in Russia. We didn't have money, you know. Don't forget, we had no money at the moment. So, uh, Italian uh, colleagues invited me there, you know, and just graduate. I just received my PhD, and I'm coming there. And then I suddenly see all these great guys in dopamine, you know, all these Swedish, Italian, American guys whom I read all articles, and suddenly I see them as my first visit abroad, you know, and I'm in the middle of this dopamine biggest conference in the world, you know, like 300 best persons in dopamine. And I immediately recognize the leader there. Uh, it was Mark Caron, because he was sitting in the first row. And there was two population of people in this meeting, people who study 
behavior pharmacology, okay, the classical pharmacologist and molecular biologist. Uh, who it was time of cloning of dopamine receptors. And as you know, Mark cloned two dopamine receptors out of five. Uh, they all GPCRs, of course. That's how um, Mark uh, was uh, growing in dopamine field because he was the best GPCR guy in dopamine field. And uh, he, he immediately recognized in like 20 minutes who is the leader because Mark was asking questions and he understood these questions, uh, both to pharmacologists, in vivo people who work with mice, rats, and to molecular biologists. So these two uh, two groups of people, they were both, they all were listening to Mark. Mark was the only one person who can judge, and in vivo and in vitro. And I was sitting and saying, who is this guy? You know, I was really uh, surprised because I, I didn't I, I didn't know GPCRs field at the moment. I was pharmacologist and I knew Carlson, I knew a lot of guys who discovered dopamine, who studied pharmacology. But Mark, I said, wow, this is really, really serious person because he knows everything. And he really understood everything. And I was really impressed. In 20 minutes, I said, wow, I like Mark, you know. I, I was not introduced yet. But in evening, my professor, Kirill Sergeyevich Rayevsky, he has a trip. He had a trip. He, had, he brought Armenian cognac, you know, there. And he organized a party in evening in our uh, room. And Mark Caron was invited there and everybody was invited. And they tested Armenian cognac at the moment. Nobody knew what is Armenian cognac in the West. It was only in the Soviet Union. Uh, and they all tested a little bit cognac. And then uh, Mark, I was introduced to Mark and we started to talk. Uh, my English was terrible at the moment. You know, I don't know what I told him, but that was how I, uh, I met him. And it was the first meeting in 1992. Uh, then I spent like a couple of months there in Italy, learned the microdialysis technique with Asultiprasa, and then returned back to Russia and continued to work in Russia for four more years. <laughs> yeah. And meanwhile, uh, it was another meeting, second meeting when I met Mark. It was in Dopamine 1994. So at the moment, every two years, all big guys in dopamine were meeting because it was cloning time, the discovery of dopamine receptors. It was classification time because nobody knew how to name these dopamine receptors. And in 1994, it was in Montreal, in Canada. I just, you know, uh, the, it was crazy time in Soviet Union, Russia. Everything was de being destroyed. At the same time, a lot of opportunities. So I wouldn't tell you how I earned my own money. Took 4,000 bucks in my pocket because university cannot give me anything. And just went there as a tourist to Dopamine 94 meeting because I couldn't miss this meeting. I wanted to see Mark again, everybody, Arvid Carlson, everybody. I wanted to see all these big guys in my field and they just paid from my own pocket. Uh, and I went there and uh, again, we met with Mark, we talked, we discussed, and I should say, uh, you know, uh, I was uh, witnessing how the name of dopamine receptor appeared, D1, D2, D3, D4, D5, because there was a um, fight between uh, Mark Caron 
group and uh, Phil Simon group, how to name dopamine receptor. Dopamine was suggesting to name like serotonin receptor, you know, 5-HP1A, 5-HP1B, 5-HP1. Uh, so, uh, so Mark was planning to name D1A, D1B, it's D1, D5, and D2A, D2B, D2C, D2, D3, D4. But he lost this battle against uh, Phil Simon. And uh, I was witnessing it. And it was a committee for dopamine receptor nomenclature from International Union of Pharmacology. And it happened to be that I was the first guy to learn about that because uh, I came to dinner and it was only one table uh, empty. All the tables were already uh, taken. And I sit there and suddenly committee comes and sits on my table, Mark and everybody, Phil Simon, everybody. And they continue discussion, how they named dopamine receptors, okay? And I was shocked, you know, young guys sitting and the people describing how they named D1, D2, and Mark admitting that he lost like uh, Phil Simon uh, made this uh, suggestion, D1, D2, D3, D4. I was really shocked. I'm sitting in the table with biggest guy in dopamine field, and Mark is there, and uh, Arvid Carlson is there, Phil Simon there, and they're discussing with me, you know. And I just the occasion I was on this table, you know, I was the last guy to came, and the only one table was open. This one, and uh, I'm really was uh, really thrilled because I was in history time, and you know. Uh, it's crazy, but now I'm a chairman of this committee. <laughs> yes, now I'm. Mark should be, but he never wanted to take these responsibilities. And he pushed me there. So at the end, now I'm a chairman of International Union of Pharmacology Committee on Dopamine Receptor Nomenclature. So if somebody will discover six receptor and Mark is in the committee, of course, I invited him. I invited everybody. All these big guys now in the same committee, but unfortunately, many of them already gone, you know, but uh, if you take my name, you far, you'll see all this committee. Mark in the committee, of course, certainly. Wow. And forever will be there as Arvid Carlson, uh, so the past members and present members. You touched on so many points. I want to just take a little step back for, for our audience and say that what you just mentioned about Mark sitting at the front at conferences was also discussed in the panel discussions uh, that yeah. we had. And everybody was saying that, you know, you'd think that he'd sit in the back. No, no, no. He was sitting in the front and he was asking all sorts of questions all the time. And this the person that mentioned this initially, I think, was Michel Bouvier, and so I trained in Montreal. I trained at the University of Montreal in the orbit of the Bouvier lab. I wasn't in the Bouvier lab. And I always thought that Michel was the type of person who could sit throughout any type of presentation and still focus and ask specific, very important questions. And turns out that he learned that from Mark, yeah, which I thought yeah. was a really- I mean, that was amazing. I mean, it's, in 20 minutes, it was clear who is a major- person in the hall because the only one person can ask okay let's see the observant transmembrane domain you have some mutation here and then oh did you test this behavioral test uh, <laughs> nobody could do that nobody at the moment in 1992 later people learned it when knockouts appeared okay yeah but it was 1992 1994 Nobody could do in vivo and in vitro at the same time, molecular biology, behavior. Nobody, only Mark could do that. And there was and also so a, com a piece. 
I'm sorry. That's why uh, I mean I was uh, seeing him in, uh, again. We had '94 again cognac, Armenian cognac uh, part. Of course. <laughs> yeah. And again, I talked to Mark, and Mark knew me, and that I can do microdialysis, neurochemistry, behavior, and uh, that, that's how I've met two times, and uh, how it happened. Should I start talking how I arrived to Mark's lab? Or? Yes, but be before we do that, I just want to kind of make another point as to and tie it back to the panel discussions we had, and we were oh. talking, I think, with the uh, with the second group that worked with Mark during the same period as you did. And somebody mentioned that at the time in Mark's lab, everyone had a different project. And yes, it went from pharmacology to cloning to animal models. And I made the comment that Mark 20 years ago already had a pipeline developed in his lab where you went, it was all around the same topic but everyone used different animal, different models, different technologies, different techniques to answer high-level questions, and we we all concluded that this was so unique in academia twenty years ago. But it is still unique in academia today. So in that aspect as well, he was a pioneer. I absolutely agree with you, because uh, you know. The paper, what appeared in 1996, uh, Bruno Giro paper on dopamine transport and knockout um, mice, it was a revolutionary paper in many aspects. And one of the aspects, because it was so thoroughly done and biochemically and by, and uh, voltimetry and uh, biochemistry and behavior and everything. Because I think it was the first paper what I've seen, which was characterized knockout mice so thoroughly, so in different, under different aspects. It just established a new level for papers. Uh, it's a little bit even, you know, too much because uh, after that it was, it, be, it has become, it become very difficult to publish anything, you know. It was so high level. Now everybody compare all papers to this paper. And uh, it created a lot of problems for us. Before this paper, it was much easier to publish something in Nature or Science. After this paper, I mean, the level is so high, so you, you have to really, I mean, uh, from one side it's good, but from another side, we will never beat records of Mark. Mark published 700 papers. It's possible today, just purely impossible because the criteria is so strict now for publications. Yeah. Yeah. We we never can beat that level, so that's forever. I mean, this is a golden time of uh, pharmacology, biochemistry, uh, neurochemistry, everything. We never will be able to beat that level. Absolutely. So it was clear for you that after meeting Mark twice at the dopamine meeting and uh, and really identifying him as the guy who can answer all sorts of questions, whether it's pharmacology or, or animal models or physiology, you wanted to go and work with Mark. How did that happen? Uh, yeah, how did that happen? Actually, I already had a group of people, four people were working with me. I already was postdoc, not postdoc level, assistant professor level, in fact, in Russia. And I really didn't want to go anywhere because I was able to make some money extra. You know, I, I'm not going to tell you how, 
but it was a crazy time destroying the Soviet Union, you know, it was a crazy time. So, but uh, my group fell apart and I started to feel that I'm alone and I said, oh, probably it's time to go somewhere. Uh, and uh, the only lab which I wanted to go, it was Mark's lab. So, in fact, I wrote one letter, one application to Mark Caron. Uh, that's it. And suddenly he invited me and I was really impressed because he met me twice and we already kind of, he, know, he knew me, I knew him. And uh, suddenly he said, oh, yes. And the story is like, why he took me, in fact? Because Bruno Giro paper, that knockout, dopamine transporter knockout mice. And when I wrote, I didn't know that this paper was published. I was in Russia. I didn't have yeah. come a quick communication with international literature. I wrote this just because my lab was being destroyed and I wanted to go somewhere, but I wanted to know, go to the best lab in the world. It was Mark Caron's lab, obviously. Uh, and, uh, and Mark thought that I wrote him because of this paper of dopamine transport. Uh, but, but it was funny also. Uh, I really didn't understand where Mark is located. I thought he has a second lab in Canada, in Montreal, I thought. And I wrote him a letter. I said, dear Mark, I want to join your lab to work under your supervision, but I prefer to work in a lab in Canada. I imagine how he was laughing because he didn't have a lab in Canada. He had it only in Durham. Duke, you know, and I didn't know about that. I thought he has two labs. I thought one in Canada, one in the United States. But I wanted to go to Canada, not to the United States. I wasn't, I don't know why, but I wanted to go to Canada. Uh, also, but it, it ended up, he took me and he thought that I am joining because of dopamine transport and knockout mice, whom I, I learned only three months later, you know, in, on the way to the United States, uh, somebody showed me this paper said, wow, what a cool story it is. And of course, it's uh, I'm a dopamine person and dopamine transport and account mice is the best in vivo model for dopamine uh, physiology and neurochemistry, of course I got. And why Mark wanted to take me? Because he needed somebody to measure dopamine. In dopamine transport and knockout mice by microdialysis. And I was uh, the guy who was doing microdialysis studies. And uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, if you check now, knockout mice, dopamine, microdialysis, I, my paper is the first with Mark. Nobody wow. did on mice, knockout mice, micro, microdialysis measurements of dopamine before us with Mark. Uh, we did it in government transport and account mice. Before uh, I was studying on rats, everything was done on rats. Nobody was using mice because knockout mice were just appearing and we were starting to do it with uh, Mark, in fact. It was first paper. I think it's fantastic. And I want to make a couple of points here for the audience. So we're talking here, it's the 90s, early to late 90s. Email is not an option. You no, send, it's not an option. Yes, you send we letters. <laughs> we sent letters. Yeah, it was by mail. Yeah. Exactly. Phone calls were not an option either because it was so expensive to call. This is the time yeah. where, well, I grew up in Romania and that was, well, this was the time in, in, around that period. And this was the time where you waited after 6 p.m. to call anyone because after 6 p.m. it was cheaper to make a phone call and it was a yes or no phone call. You wouldn't spend too much time on the call. 
and uh, and getting access to scientific papers. I think at that time there was, you know, there was no PubMed. You can go online and, and download the paper. Yeah. Libraries yeah. were not well equipped. And just to give one last piece of context, growing up in Eastern Europe, movies that used to come out in the U.S. took years to get to our side of, of the world. And, mm. uh, you know, five, four or five, six years, not like now where, you know, it comes out here in the U.S. and it comes out in Europe and everywhere and you can stream it. So just to give the audience the context of the difficulty to get access to information and connect, where it's not today's connected world. Exactly, you're absolutely right, you know, but but one good thing because of that, because we have limited uh, uh, capabilities to get this information, I pretty much memorized every paper what I have, you know, what I have put the get on, you know, I was reading like crazy all these papers. Uh, whatever I can get, I was reading, and uh, Mark kind of appreciated that because when I came there, he said uh, that I, I I read more than more other people because they had easy access, I had difficult access, and so I really appreciated the opportunity to read these papers. You know, yeah. uh, that's true. So how yeah. was how was your move to to the U.S.? It was not easy. I can tell you, uh, I came to Mark's lab I immediately uh, realized that it's uh, Mark's lab is part of the bigger mobs GPCR world, you know, and contribution. Because I, actually, I honestly tell you, I came because of dopamine, not because of GPCR. I came, I'm dopamine interested in dopamine. And then suddenly I realized what kind of the world, this huge field of GPCR's contribution of Mark, how huge it is all, you know, that's, uh, of course, I, scientifically, I felt myself in paradise, but uh, lifestyle in the United States is so different from Europe, as you imagine. Yeah. Yeah. It was not the adaptation, but uh, at the end it worked well, yeah. So we started to work, but those scientific, uh, uh, you know, it's came time of knockout. One, one, one thing I should tell you: before this Bruno Giraud paper in 1996, in uh, neuroscience and pharmacology, nobody seriously considered knockouts. It was something what immunologists developed. Uh, who knows some molecular stuff? Who cares? I don't know. Nobody really believed it. The Marx paper, Bruno Giraud paper. It convinced many neurochemists, pharmacologists that knockout mice are greatest models for pharmacologists to investigate now. Not pharmacologically, but genetically, we can modulate function of gene and to do something to investigate what we couldn't touch before. So dopamine transporter knockout mice became, I mean, it was and it will be probably the most popular model in neuropharmacology forever. Uh, and uh, now we develop rats, but it's just a little bit step, uh, small step uh, further, but in general, it's the same idea. And um, this is the greatest model and contribution of Mark to neuropharmacology is amazing. That's what many people do not appreciate. You know, I'm as a pharmacologist can tell you in pharmacology, Mark is uh, at unbelievably high level. You know, everybody admires him because of introduction of in vivo models too it's huge yeah yeah well in, in in the three panels that we we had recorded with with all of with these 30 people we spoke to um 
that that's what came through. So the couple of things that came through around Mark is that he was a pioneer on so many levels. You know, he had the pipeline developed in the lab. He was working on different models. He used to go to so many meetings. Apparently he had his passport with him all the time. <laughs> and yeah. the people at the airport knew him by mm -hmm. name and he knew their names as well. And, yeah. and this contagious love for science was definitely felt throughout the lab. So my, my next question to you is, what are the things that you, how, how was working in the lab with Mark? What did you learn, not scientifically, but also as, as, a, as a person? Um, what I learned from Mark, uh, not being afraid of new questions, new technologies, nothing, you know, you, if you have to do something new, do it, that's it, nobody, I mean, it's not like uh, we were working before in pharmacology, okay, I know like five, ten techniques and that's it, and um, I'll stick to them, I'm very good in them, and I'm not going left and right, and in Mark's lab, you come and say, oh, why don't you do that stuff, and I said, I never did it. Okay, try. And you immediately learn to do something what you never done, you know. You're never afraid of new approaches and new topics, new directions, new... Uh, I mean, it's helping me a lot. For example, as I told you, um, just small example. Last year, I published three papers on oncology. I never studied. I never did oncology research before, but it seemed up being like dopamine, my trace amino associated receptors are important there. So I end up studying oncology now. You know, that's something what I learned from Mark. You know, it's that like you never stop uh, on what you know. You you keep going, going, going in any direction, uh, whatever field it is. You just go there. You know, if your topic. Dopamine is important for oncology study oncology. So uh, that's it. It's, it's exactly Mark's style. That's exactly what I learned from him. I love it. Um, if you were to come up with a few words around describing Mark's top qualities, we've had um, generosity. We've had um, curious curiosity. Uh, we've had a lot of a lot of. Um, a lot of nice words describing Mark's top qualities. And I'd like you to focus perhaps while uh, on, on the qualities that you found the most uh, inspiring and that you took on. Like, for example, being not being afraid to ask new questions. Yeah, that's one thing. And uh, not dedication to science. I mean, it's obvious was, you know, you talk to Mark, whatever topic you take, it will end up being we discussing science, you know, dedication. <laughs> so he's a scientist, 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 super scientist, uh, whatever, you know, he, I'm sure uh, it was forever. I, it was all the time until last uh, days like that. I'm sure Mark is, can, can, can talk only about science, you know, that's, uh, that's his major dedication. Uh, and uh, second thing, curiosity, really. He was very curious. He was very curious. And again, about science, it's not like about opera. I mean, of course, he, he liked fishing, for example. I know uh, <laughs> that's something. But still, science is, uh, I mean, it, uh, it just everywhere around him you know he he's so in love with he was so in love with science and it was contagious uh, i hope i will be the same you know yeah well honestly you uh, i think it is contagious because you your enthusiasm is just coming through 
right now and i i think it's 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 kind of i, I it feels like it comes from from what you learn from mark you already yes. loved the dopamine field but spending time in the coron lab really just just boosted it it was 12 years of unbelievable i was in scientific paradise mark bob all these great people yeah. around me all this team of professionals you know we had at the moment if i correctly remember 46 knockouts mice different 46 strains just imagine i mean this is scientific paradise and mark was able to keep this pipeline and i know it's now it's impossible i mean nobody will ever have this kind of 46 strains of knockout animals i have nine now uh, nine it's probably max who i don't know whoever has it now but mark had 46 strains and uh, we had uh, any idea you have in the brain, okay, let's go and check it. Take this train and check it. Maybe it will work or not, you know. And uh, one thing also Mark was, you know, he was giving us opportunity to test any crazy idea what we had, you know. 46 trains of miles. You any idea, you go and take them and test your idea if it's working or not, you know, try, try, try. It's so, so, so amazing situation was, you know, and that's what Mark was never, never prohibiting us to try new ideas. He was encouraging us to do it. So he was giving us opportunity. I mean, we test something, if it's working, then you come to Mark, Mark, I think it's working. Let's try continue this field. And Mark, oh yeah, let's do that. Uh, that's, that's how that's how it was a lot of papers we published with mark you know that's how we did it some and, what what if if you were to to give us a top three of the accomplishments or of the work that you've done with mark what are you the most proud of from your time in the lab uh no i mean i mean just with uh, dopamine transporter knockout mice i think we published with mark about 80 papers or 90 papers so i would put it as a separate achievement work on dopamine transporter knockout mice we published a lot of papers with mark on that uh second uh, thing with martin Ballou and mark uh, we discovered the ckt gsk3 pathway of d2 dopamine receptor arresting mediated signal and uh, that was mostly mark and martin Ballou. i just was helping them as a in vivo person to do it because we proved it in vivo everything was done in vivo uh and third thing what we what i would say uh uh, what uh, I'm, uh, I mean, um, one part of work, uh, uh, it's the um, uh, role of beta resting in near-period signal with Laura Bone. We did this work, but it's mostly Laura Bone, not me. So I will not take that uh, as a credit. Probably something what I already continued after Mark, but st we started with Mark, it's uh, trace amine-associated receptors. This is a field what we published with Mark, some small commentary. It was discovered in 2001. We published a commentary in PNAS. We were reviewers. Now I can say that. And, uh, and uh, this is, I believe, is a huge, huge field which is uh, coming now. It's uh, the last group of um, biogenic amine receptors, GPCRs, which are... Yeah. They remain to be characterized and the drugs are being developed now and uh, I'm heavily involved in this field. But we started it with Mark. 
It was originally we started in March in 2001, and then I left in 2007 to Italy, continued topic there. But we started in 2001. Wow. That's amazing. I have maybe two two or three more questions. Um, what how about before before we move on to what happened to you? Where where did you go after leaving Mark's lab? I wanted to ask if you were uh, if there were a couple of if a couple of things you could share with us that junior scientists in either in the dopamine field or in the GPCR field should know about Mark in your opinion. What should they know about Mark? Uh, you know, what they should know about Mark with Mark, everything was possible. You know, any topic, any idea, any direction uh, could be achievable. You can get new knowledge, you know. It's a, a scientific curiosity without limits, I would say. That's Mark. Uh, with Mark, I mean, I don't know. I, we, we did so many interesting stories, you know, which came out of nowhere, out of some speculation, out of some observation. In my, I mean, Mark was giving us encouragement to, to follow any crazy idea. That's a good thing, you know. Scientists should develop. Scientists should go beyond borders. And with Mark, you felt it, that you go somewhere else, you know, and that's what I'm trying to teach my kids now. I'm not giving them idea. Like Mark was not giving me idea, giving them mice. Okay, take mice and find something interesting, cool, yeah. new. And the guys are finding it and then coming to me and saying, Oh, wow, I found something. This is really, I was like, oh, great, let's continue. And then I started to advise them maybe you should do that, maybe you should do that. But ideas coming not from me, ideas coming from them. And Mark was giving us this opportunity. But as I told you, 46 knockouts train marks. Mark probably don't even remember all these uh, trains, what he had. But we remember, okay? And we said, oh, let's try that one. Let's try that one. Let's try that one. Let's, let's see how it's working. And uh, Mark was giving this opportunity for us to grow as a scientist. Okay? And that's the greatest thing. I mean, uh, because you cannot control scientists every step. Say, I'm genius guy to do that, do that, do that. No, it doesn't work this way. The guy should find something. And then come to more experienced uh, supervisor. And supervisor will say, no, don't go here, go there, go there. This should be improved here, there. Uh, you, you see, and then it's, uh, we, we are getting what we got, you know, hundreds of papers and together, you know, that's yeah. And I, I'm very proud of these papers. Yeah, a little bit even, uh, not disappointed, but with Mark, we published so good papers, as I told you. Now it's difficult to beat these papers. <laughs> That's a problem we have now. It's impossible to beat these papers. And so it's very difficult now to publish something. So we established the level, highest level with Mark, with Bob, you know, Bob also contributed, of course. We cannot, but we're in the... But uh, the level of papers is so high that uh, now it's, uh, you know, like looking at that, uh, yeah, no, I'm not going to even try to publish something in PNAS. It's impossible. <laughs> impossible. I go low level because I cannot beat these papers. Yeah. yeah. It's simple yeah. like that, you know. And yeah. money-wise and intellectually-wise and technique-wise and... Um, 
it was a golden time, I, I consider. In uh, pharmacology, it's a golden time. I mean, I don't think now anybody can do that in the world. It's, it's, it's much more difficult, but based on, on what you were saying, there were two things, two important things that were happening at the time in the lab. One is that as a trainee, you had the opportunity to work on anything interesting that you wanted, and then you got the support and the mentorship but the idea, you had to present the idea, which allowed you to and enabled you to read broadly. And then you had the tools and the support uh, that Mark offered as a mentor. And I think that's very valuable. Um, yes. We've talked a lot about work, work, work in the lab. But I know that in the lab, it wasn't always work. There were fun times in the team. And I've heard a couple of stories. Do you have any stories that you can share with us? about a time where you work with the, with the lab and you did something fun? Wow. No, of course we had fun, but uh, you know, uh, what I like, uh, we had great, great uh, meetings in Mark's uh, house, you know, he had a lot of, we all like going there, meeting and talking to each other and having drinks. And it was greatest time when we visited Mark's house. Uh, in the lab, uh, uh, what I really liked, uh, we, we were very good friends. I mean, uh, all people whom I was working for 12 years in Mark's lab, they're all my good friends, you know. And it helps a lot because now we submit papers, most likely they, one of my friends will pick up as a review. So it helps, you know, to, to get a good friends. I mean, they're great friends. And sometimes we were like... Uh, what I uh, remember, we, we were having some spontaneous parties, uh, uh, like 8 p.m. I'm at work, we are working, Martinsky, uh, Aliski, Alisa Lapore, of course, you know, my, my yeah. greatest friend. Aliski, Martinsky, all these guys, we are working together, and suddenly I said, guys, let's go to our home and call Tatiana, my wife. Tatiana, please cook something, and we are coming, you know? <laughs> At 9 p.m., Tatiana like quickly cooks something, puts wine, and we are like having spontaneous parties. Uh, I think that was fun, you know, not planned ones. Uh, when just retired 8, 9 p.m., we already did a lot of experiments. Uh, I said, ah, let's go to, to, to have a drink, you know. Yeah. I Tatiana very quickly, Tatiana Sotnikova, my wife, was very quickly preparing something. As we thought she was cooking Italian food. Before we moved to Italy, we thought she's cooking Italian food. No, we learned that it was not Italian. It was <laughs> imagination of Italian food. <laughs> well, that's the easy that's 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 an easy solution. And I really liked um to hear more about when people would say, you know, Friday night, Mark would say, Well, have a good weekend, see you tomorrow. <laughs> Which was, was I think... saying it every time, but you know the most funny part. I was uh, on weekends usually at work. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's Mark not work, first ten years, I would say he was also at work. Uh, later on, he was a little bit having some time. But first ten years, we are meeting each other on Saturday, Sunday at work. Uh, wow. See you tomorrow. It was not a joke. Actually, it was <laughs> not a joke. Most first ten years, it was not a joke. Wow. That's, a, that's yeah, that, that's what came through is that yeah, you were you were you would be there and um there was some, I think there was there was Josh Josh Snyder, I think, 
who was oh. on on the previous podcast who who asked Mark around you know what's the schedule and I think Mark said you know what I'm already famous it's for you so if you come to work and you do the work you're going to have the the rewards which is you know advancing science and getting the publications and uh, this is kind of the running running gag of have have a good weekend see you tomorrow yeah no but the It was house joke for me. Yeah, of course. For well, Mark too. For Mark too. <laughs> he was like anyway. Uh, oh, with Mark, one thing. Well, I can tell you now. Uh, what was funny story? Probably it will be interesting to you to know. One time we were developing PSD nine ninety five in uh, role of PSD ninety five in dopamine receptor signaling. Uh, uh, we found some alterations in PSD ninety five. Uh, post-synaptic density 95 protein, uh, glutamatergic protein, modulating glutamatergic synapse in dopamine transport in adult mice. And we had to be doing, the standard is high, we need now PSD 95 knockout mice, okay? Not full, but heterozygous. And to see how cocaine is working. And we got this mice from uh, United, uh, from uh, UK, but they were not uh, SPF mice, standard mm -hmm. pathogen. So we couldn't put it in our variant. So we end up putting it in uh, uh, Mark's house and did experiments, yeah, in the Mark's house. Gotcha. So we were going there, we brought equipment and we are doing uh, experiments in Mark's house. By the way, cleaning his uh, pool, uh, water pool, because uh, it was coming, trees have fallen. In the... We're cleaning that and doing experiments in Mark's house <laughs> for like two weeks. Uh, did experiments and paper published in Neuron. Uh, I mean, of course, it was violation of all rules possible. Yeah. <laughs> But yes. That's what you, you can do, you know, just bring home equipment, bring mice. Uh, and do experiment there because you cannot do it at work, you know. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I've heard stories about frogs that needed to be to begin in water and and all sorts of things that that were happening in there. But I think it's it's just a it's just a, a testament to the dedication to science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you know he. That's it, and it's paper and neuron very greatly uh, accepted paper. You know? Wow. Yeah. So after the 12 years in Mark's lab, what, what happened next? Where did you go next? Uh, I wanted to go to Europe. I'm still a European person and I like European culture and I wanted to go. But in Russia at the moment in 2007 was no opportunity to work at all. And so I ended up being in Italy, Italian Institute of Technology. I received my lab and I started to work there. And the major topic became dopamine, of course. Uh, I developed their dopamine transport in account rats and uh, trace amine associated receptor stars. Uh, I took this topic from Mark's lab. Uh, nobody was able to continue it. I, I, you know, like, you know, it all depends on postdoc. Somebody didn't want to work on that. So I ended yeah. up being in this field with me. Uh, and uh, I received support from Hoffman Laroche. And with Hoffman Laroche, we did a lot of like 40, 50 papers on this topic. And now it's a compo two compounds being developed, phase two and phase three clinical trials. And uh, topic is developing very, very well. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are six receptors. And first one is already in clinical trials, drugs, and others are still experimental. But now 
uh, after working in Italy for seven, eight years, I found a way to return back to Russia. Mm-hmm. And I started my lab, uh, major my lab. Uh, I have a couple of small labs, but now it's only a major one in St. Petersburg State University. It's uh, the oldest university in Russia. And as you know, Moscow State University, St. Petersburg State University. And uh, I've got a uh, lab, then I became director of the Institute of Translational Biomedicine. Uh, and uh, we are working here now. We uh, created a colony of uh, the same oil like Mark. You know, Mark had 46 trains. Now I have nine. But it's, uh, believe me, it's not it's many lot. people can say that they have nine strains of knockout rats or mice. Yeah. And rats. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, but after Mark, I can see the nine is not too much. But at least I have nine strains of um, knockout uh, animals, uh, various mutants, and we are working here, and so far, it's going well. We'll see. That's great. So it's going that, well, yeah. That's, that's really fantastic. Um, any additional advice to junior scientists when it comes to, to con- contributing to science, from your perspective? From my perspective, to young scientists, yes? Yes. Uh, I mean, one big thing what I've learned from Mark and from Bob too, it's to be friendly to each other, you know? Uh, That's the most probably friendly love whatever I've ever heard and ever been. We 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 were, even if we're critical to each other, we were remaining friends, okay? We were like just friendly criticism, very friendly. And this is the style of Bob and Mark. I mean, to be extremely friendly to each other. So uh, never put person in the position that he should explain something what he doesn't know. You know, you you kind of suggesting maybe this is story, but not pushing it too much. That's very friendly way of criticizing. That's Mark's yeah. style. And that's what I'm teaching my kids now too, to be friends. We are not, uh, and I think Mark said that, Maybe Bob, maybe Mark, maybe somebody else. I don't know. So we are in science. We are not too much money. Uh, we are doing. Uh, so why we should be nasty to each other? We are in. We are not in business. You know, where they earn tons of money. You know, doing in company work. Whatever. We are doing science. We are. Uh, we should be very, very gentle to each other. Very, very friendly and uh, helping each other. We should be helping each other. And that's what the major, I think, lesson from the Marx lab. Uh, extremely, extreme friendly relationship. We are not making money. We are doing something interesting for humanity. Or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it sounds so, 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 so strong, but that's it is. We, we are gaining new knowledge. I mean, I'm not gaining knowledge for Russia. I'm gaining knowledge for whole world. Yeah. I find something and giving it to people. I publish paper, take it, please develop it, something. Maybe you find something new after me, you know? Exactly. Maybe my idea will help you to do the to move next step, progress in humanity. And uh, that's what the uh, biggest lesson from Mark and Bob. Never put person in the position that uh, he should be trying to hide that he doesn't understand something, doesn't try to help him, give him hint. Uh, and maybe his person, oh yeah, maybe that's what it is. You know, 
that's uh, Mark's style, and I like it very much. And I'm trying to keep it and to continue to give it to my kids that they should be friendly. First thing, friendly. Never be nasty to each other, please. That's that's um, amazing. That's amazing. Was it, I'm sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you. No, no, no. But that's it. I guess that's. I, I think. I think that's a great way to to end here. And thank you for your time and for your contagious enthusiasm. Thank you so much. You. It was such an amazing. Thank you, Raul, for your time and for sharing all these stories with us. You had a very interesting, uh, you know, circle coming from Russia through the U.S. through Italy and then back, back to Saint Petersburg. All you know, riding the dopamine wave. <laughs> thank you very much thank you it was a great pleasure talking to you thank you thank you so much thank you for joining us and listening to this dr gpcr podcast episode we would like to thank our guest as well as take a moment to thank our team members attila ines monse ivana andrina balint and julia a huge thank you to our ecosystem partners for their support domain therapeutics gpcr therapeutics design pharmaceuticals montana molecular and orion biotechnology you can connect with our partners directly in the ecosystem, so don't forget to join the Dr. GPCR ecosystem today. Please subscribe to the Dr. GPCR newsletter, find us on YouTube, and if you like our podcast, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a testimonial by following the link to the testimonial forms on in the ecosystem by using the, um, the footer. Another way to support us is to share your favorite Dr. GPCR program with your network and colleagues. Email us with any questions and suggestions at hello at drgpcr.com. And until next time, stay safe.